beautiful rendition of the old rugged cross. We will have an opportunity to continue to hear from Merlin throughout the service. He will be playing or sharing special music with us at our communion and again at our postlude. Merlin, thank you for being here with us this morning. It is always a delight to have you and your instruments here with us on Sunday morning. Welcome to all of you on this morning, on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to our Savior's Lutheran Church. Whether you are joining us by our YouTube channel or through our OSL podcast or by our radio broadcast, we are glad that you have found your way here to worship with us this morning. I invite you in preparation for worship to light a candle and to gather some bread and some wine to use a little later in our service to celebrate Holy Communion. Our worship begins now this morning with confession and God's word of love, grace, and forgiveness for us. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose steadfast love is everlasting, whose faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Amen. Trusting in the mercy of God, we join in a prayer of confession. Let us pray. Reconciling God, we confess that we do not trust your abundance and we deny your presence in our lives. We place our hope in ourselves and rely on our own efforts. We fail to believe that you provide enough for all. We abuse your good creation for our own benefit. We fear difference and do not welcome others as you have welcomed us. We sin in thought, word, and deed. By your grace, forgive us. Through your love, renew us. And in your spirit, lead us so that we may live and serve you in newness of life. Amen. Beloved of God, by the radical abundance of divine mercy, we have peace with God through Christ Jesus, through whom we have obtained grace upon grace, and our sins are forgiven. Let us live now in hope, for hope does not disappoint, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amen. We sing now together our gathering hymn, All Who Hunger Gladly Gather, number 461.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. We sing together our hymn of praise. Let us pray. Glorious God, your generosity waters the world with goodness, and you cover creation with abundance. Awaken in us a hunger for the food that satisfies both body and spirit, and with this food fill all the starving world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our worship continues with a children's story time with Pastor Heather. Good morning, OSL kids and adults, and welcome to this special story time as we meet yet another holy troublemaker and unconventional saint. This morning, we hear the story of Caitlin Curtis. Caitlin Curtis hears the sound of quiet footsteps and looks up to see her five-year-old son making his way down the stairs in his pajamas. She makes room for him on the couch and he climbs up next to her. She loves these morning snuggles. Manoabin, Caitlin whispers in his ear as she hugs him. Manoabin means good morning in the language of the Potawatomi people. Manoabin, mama, he whispers back. She feels a deep gladness in her heart hearing his morning greeting in Patawatomi. The Patawatomi word, words all have actions and ideas embedded into them. Manoabim translates to, it is good when things become visible in the light. A fitting idea for the time of day when the sun's rays begin to touch the land, the animals, and the people of Turtle Island the term that many Native people use for North America. 
Caitlin had only begun learning more about her Potawatomi heritage, culture, and language just a few years earlier. Even though she was born on Potawatomi land in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and has always been enroll an enrolled member of her tribe. Generations of Caitlin's Native American relatives have lived in the U.S. They knew they needed to minimize their Potawatomi identity simply to survive. Caitlin's mother was of European heritage, and when Caitlin was nine, her parents divorced. Afterward, Caitlin had little contact with her Potawatomi relatives in tribal land. I didn't know we had stories. I didn't know we had a language, she says. We knew we were Potawatomi, but no one talked about it. I realize now this was the effect of forced assimilation over time. As a young girl growing up in the Baptist church and trying to make sense of the world after her parents' divorce, Caitlin became the best Christian girl she could. In school, she carried an extra Bible in her backpack just in case a schoolmate needed one. She memorized Holy Scripture. She didn't ask questions in Sunday school, at least not out loud. She even posed with her Bible for her fifth grade school portrait. I was the poster child for what I thought a good Christian girl should be, she says. As Caitlin got older, though, she began to be curious about her Potawatomi heritage. As she moved into adulthood, marriage, and motherhood, she started to learn more about her roots, and she began to learn the Potawatomi language and history. It wasn't easy to reconcile her Christian faith with the grim reality of how the vast majority of American Christians had treated Native people. Her Potawatomi ancestors had been forced to leave their lands in the Great Lakes region in 1838 at gunpoint in a march we now call the Trail of Death because so many people died along the way. The Trail of Death was just one of many such forced removals of Native people by European settlers. One day, while hiking through a tree-lined trail at Sweetwater Creek, near Caitlin's current home in Atlanta, Georgia, Caitlin felt God affirming her as a Potawatomi woman. God told me that I was Potawatomi. Growing up, I knew that, but it was head knowledge. In that moment, while hiking next to a giant river, God sent what was head knowledge into heart knowledge. It became a different type of knowledge altogether. With Caitlin's newfound appreciation for herself as a Potawatomi woman and as a new mother wanting to share her full heritage with her sons, Caitlin immersed herself in Potawatomi culture. She learned about the Potawatomi origin story, which begins with Sky Woman falling down from Sky World through a hole in the sky. The animals see the shaft of light from the hole and they see that Sky Woman is falling toward the water. Her fall is broken by a flock of geese that see that she is in danger. The geese hold her up on their wings until they can decide what to do next. Far below, a giant turtle offers to let her rest on his back. 
The animals can see that the woman needs to land to live on, needs land to live on. With the help of several animals, mud is retrieved from the bottom of the waters so that land can be built on Turtle's back. Sky Woman is so grateful for the help of the animals that she begins dancing her thanks. As she dances, the land spreads all across the Turtle's back. As Sky Woman fell, she also had grasped a bundle of seeds and roots in her hands from the Tree of Life and she plants these seeds in her new home. Soon plants and trees and all manner of living things grow. This collective effort of geese, sky woman, and the turtle, the animals, and the riverbed brought about life on Turtle Island. And this is why native people, including Caitlin's tribe, call North America Turtle Island. It's a story of connectedness, of people, animals, and land coming together. Learning our Potoatomi origin story answered so many questions for me, Caitlin says. It even helped me understand the Bible better. I'd always thought the Genesis origin story had to be read completely literally, but I realized that this is what oral storytelling cultures do. We look around and wonder how something got there, and then we tell a story about it. Our cultural stories are all interconnected and fit together like a big, beautiful puzzle. That's why we need all of them. Today, Caitlin works as an author and speaker, helping to share the stories that call all people to work for peace and restoration. But working together for a common vision where all people belong and can flourish means having a shared understanding of the past, even when it's painful to remember. Because she grew up in the Christian church and knows that world so well, Caitlin is aware that she is in a unique position to remind her family and friends at church of the way Native peoples all over the world have been treated by many Christians. For decades, Potawatomi children and other Native American children were forced to live away from their families in boarding schools that were meant to kill the Indian and save the man. Native American children were banned from speaking their languages or practicing their cultures or religions in any way. They had to cut their hair short and couldn't wear traditional clothing. They had to practice the Christian religion and they rarely saw their parents. The Bible was used to justify these programs that are now seen as cruel and unjust. The effects of these policies are still felt today among Native populations. The conditions under which they were forced to live have resulted in their high rates of poverty. Understandably, they also tend to mistrust the government. In many ways, Caitlin's work comes back to that simple morning greeting that she loves to hear her sons say, Manoaben, or it is good when the light shines on things. It's emotionally hard to reflect on these painful parts of the past. We might even prefer to forget that it really happened to native people. But Caitlin knows that acknowledging the truth, even if it's hard, is the only way healing can begin. As soon as Caitlin began speaking and writing about her identity as both a Jesus follower and a Patawatomi woman, 
she began to have a harder time, especially in church. Many Christians preferred her to be silent about her identity as a Native person. But it's time for us as a collective to acknowledge what's been done to Native people at the hand of the church, she says. It's time to remember that everyone belongs. As long as the church only wants what is white in me and not what is Native in me, there's still more work to be done. Recently, Caitlin got a tattoo on her left arm that was designed by another Native woman. My tattoo is a symbol of the healing of a people, Caitlin says. It carries a dream for all of us as Indigenous people, but the only way to get there is through. So I light my tobacco, my sage, and sweetgrass, and I pray. I pray migwetch, which means thank you, great father, creator, great spirit. And slowly but surely, I find my way back. Slowly but surely, I find a way to love. Thank you for listening to Caitlin's story and meeting yet another inspiring, holy troublemaker and unconventional saint. Thanks for listening with me and may her story inspire you to be a holy troublemaker and unconventional saint too. Peace be with you. Our first reading this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah. God invites Israel to a great feast at which both food and drink are free. God also promises to make an everlasting covenant with all peoples with promises that had previously been limited to Israel. As David was a witness to the nations, these nations shall now acknowledge the ways in which God has glorified Israel. A reading from Isaiah chapter 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. For our Easter sunrise service in 2019, one of our confirmation small groups made a video of this reading from Isaiah. We share that video with you now. Are you thirsty? Do you need wine or milk? Do you have no money? Do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Well, the 
listen carefully to me and eat what is good with abundant life for the low, low price of no money. Zero. Zilch. None. Zero. Like I said, no money. I got abundant life and the mountain started singing. Oh. I got abundant life and rain and snow came down from heaven. And more snow. And more snow, and more snow, and more snow, and more snow, and more snow. Why did I get abundant life? <laughs> I got abundant life and the trees started clapping. I got abundant life and I was led back in peace. So call 1-800-NATIONS-YOU-DO-NOT-KNOW-TODAY. Gospel acclamation. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, when Jesus heard this, that John the Baptist had been killed, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to his disciples, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Only a few days ago, I returned from a backpacking trip to my favorite place in the world, Camp Christicon in Montana. There were nine of us from OSL, along with our three Christicon counselors. And we spent five days and four nights backpacking in the Absaroka Beartooth mountain range. This trip was one of the rare church events that was still reasonably safe to do this summer. We all practiced a couple weeks of social isolation as much as we were able in advance of our trip to minimize COVID risk. And we practiced great care with food preparations on the trail. We even wore masks while singing, even though we were outside. 
we climbed to the peak of Monument Mountain. And I got to see in the registrar my name and the names of so many friends signed at previous visits. I do look forward to sharing more about the trip with all of you as those stories lend themselves to good sermon material. But today, I actually wanna tell you about an entirely different church camp experience of which I was reminded in conversation while hiking the many, many miles we put on while in the mountains. Today, I wanna tell you about Outlaw Ranch. Outlaw Ranch, is a Lutheran Bible camp in the Black Hills of South Dakota. A good friend of mine served as the director for many years, and I've led many groups to Outlaw Ranch over the years too. It's a great family camp destination. Outlaw Ranch. It's a funny name for a Bible camp, really. I forget that until I talk with someone who hasn't heard of Outlaw Ranch before, and their face sort of scrunches up and they repeat the words, outlaw, Bible camp. There is a great story behind the name actually. And that's what I wanna share with you today. Back in the 1800s, the ranch that is now Outlaw Ranch was bought by a man named Benjamin Butts. Ben ran a trading post in Winter, South Dakota. As the story goes, the local settlers were irate with Ben because of the way that he traded with Native Americans. Ben gave natives the same price for goods that he offered white settlers. Those white settlers named Ben an outlaw because he didn't show them the expected favor. Because Ben didn't discriminate, he treated natives like he treated everyone else. Ben Butts never changed his ways. And when he and his wife, bought a ranch down near Custer. They named it Outlaw Ranch. When Outlaw Ranch one day was purchased for the purpose of developing a Bible camp, pastors and lay leaders decided to keep the name Outlaw, for Jesus himself often fit the bill. Not unlike Ben Butts, Jesus welcomed the outcasts even when everyone else objected. He stood against every system of oppression, every system of domination, every system that willingly neglected the least, the lost, the poor, the forgotten. Ben Butts, the outlaw, was actually behaving a little like Jesus. And in that sense, aren't we all called to be outlaws too? Like Jesus, like Ben? There really is some pretty outlaw-ish behavior taking place in our gospel story today. It is a very familiar Bible story, Jesus feeding the 5,000. But I want to offer that there are a few details you might not know. So stay tuned, if you will, and hear me out. First of all, I remind you that this story occurs in every one of the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is really quite rare. And in Matthew and Mark, it occurs twice in one form or another. How crazy is that? So six times in total, we hear this story in the New Testament. In the version we hear from Matthew this morning, Jesus and his disciples have gone to a deserted place, seeking some peace and quiet because they've just received terrible news. They've just learned of John the Baptist's death. 
at the hand of Herod. So they want to retreat, to mourn, to regroup, but a large crowd has followed them. So instead, out of Jesus' compassion for the crowd, he and his disciples spend the whole day ministering to them, to all those people. As the sun begins to set, Jesus' disciples begin to worry about how all these people will be fed. Shouldn't they send them to town to fend for themselves? But Jesus says, no, no, you give them something to eat. Here's what I want you to imagine. Just think about how many different people must have been among those five to 10,000 folks counting women and children. Just think about the different walks of life represented there. The poor, the homeless, yep. The sick, the crippled, uh-huh. Prostitutes, tax collectors, yes, likely. Even a Pharisee or a Sadducee, perhaps. Farmers, laborers, merchants, indentured servants, landowners, widows, wives, husbands, children. Get the picture? All sorts of people. In the ancient world, you didn't just sit down at the table with anyone. To eat with another person signified some sense of respect, concern, and most importantly, mutuality. So do you see what Jesus is doing in this meal offered to all those diverse, different folks? Not just those whom everyone would have deemed worthy, not just those who fit into a culturally accepted role. Jesus tells his disciples to feed them all together. This will become a meal of radical hospitality. This will become a meal that celebrates a whole new economy. In the kingdom of God, all matter, and each must matter to the other too. This is how God's household works. This is what God's economy looks like, all fed together. These sort of egalitarian kind of meals Jesus provided throughout his ministry. And think about it. Think about how often he was labeled an outlaw for eating with sinners and tax collectors, for healing on the Sabbath, for talking to women, to Samaritans, to all those on the fringes of society. Jesus, the outlaw, radical in his acts of grace and inclusion. When we celebrate Holy Communion, do you realize that is what we are enacting? Radical hospitality to one another. We are willing participants in God's economy, God's household, that is the kingdom of God, where grace is our gift and justice is our calling. We are called to live as outlaws in the same way Jesus did, radical in our inclusion and compassion. Whenever someone says to me that faith is a personal matter, I want to say, have you ever read the Bible? Throughout our scriptures, faith has political, economic, and social implications. Yes, of course, faith is personal in the sense that Christ saves and transforms our hearts and minds, but faith in our God of love most certainly calls us to want to transform the world too. And that makes faith political, social, and economic. To his disciples, to us, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. In the Greek, the you is emphatic. 
Jesus didn't feed the multitude alone. You give them something to eat. The disciples answered him, but we have nothing, only five loaves and two fish. Now, I don't want to be too critical, but that's not exactly nothing. Granted, when looking at the expansive crowd, it seemed like nothing. It felt like nothing. And we can relate with a world of hurts and needs around us. What can we do? We can't answer them all. But five loaves and two fish is not nothing. It will feed someone. On the mountain, Jesus looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the bread and gave it to his disciples who then gave it to the crowd. You can't help but hear the Eucharistic overtones. This is communion language all the way. Matthew wants for us to see ourselves on that mountain and to trust that we are fed by the body of Christ, to see anew how we are fed by one another too. We become a part of this collective whole, the body of Christ in the world, the kingdom of God here and now. And we are called to participate in God's economy God's household, where all are fed with more than enough. This becomes our vision, our dream for the world. We no longer just spend for ourselves, rather our lives become a part of God's. Our faith becomes a shared venture with a vision for our world, where all have enough. While on our backpacking adventure, I learned a new Swedish word and concept, largom which means not too little, not too much. It carries this sense that the right amount is just right. And more is not better. More is worse, in fact. In other words, enough is always best. Enough is actually better than more because more is too much. That totally makes sense to me, having just come off of a week of backpacking in the mountains. Enough is just right when you're carrying it all on your back. But enough when you are backpacking with a group also means enough for every other member of your group too. Enough is a shared venture because you're all dependent upon one another. One another's well-being is your well-being and vice versa. As Christians, we are called to practice what I am going to call enoughism where we reject the cultural norms of accumulating more and more, and we work toward building just societies where everyone else has enough too. You give them something to eat, Jesus says, commissioning us, empowering us to practice God's economy, to live as members of God's household, to be fed and to feed. As God transforms us from the inside out, as God calls us, to transform the world. We follow one Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, less commonly known as outlaw Jesus. With God at work in us and through us, miracles still abound, and we get to be part of them. Thanks for listening. Now go and be the outlaws Jesus has called you to be. Practice enoughism even in the midst of your fear. Strive for justice and a more equitable society. Seek to learn from and better understand those who are different from you. Just like Ben Butts, just like Jesus before him, outlaws who make the world better by stepping out of line for the sake of love and justice.
Peace to you, outlaws. Peace to you, my friends. Amen. We sing together our hymn of the day. We come to the hungry feast, number 479. Together we confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Confident of your care and helped by the Holy Spirit, we pray for the Church, the world, and all who are in need. You take resources that appear to be meager, bless them, and there is enough. May your church trust that what you bless and ask us to share with the world is abundantly sufficient. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Your bountiful creation offers sustenance and life for all creatures. Protect this abundance for the well-being of all. Reverse the damage we have caused your creation. Replenish groundwater supplies.
provide needed rains in places of drought, and protect forests from wildfires. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You offer yourself to all the nations and peoples of the earth, inviting everyone to abundant life. Bring your prophetic vision to fullness, that all nations will run to you, and that nations who do not know you will find their joy in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Hear the anguish of broken hearts who cry to you in suffering and satisfy their deepest needs. Give your strength and compassion to doctors, nurses, caregivers, contract tracers, and public health officials. Bring wholeness and healing to those who suffer in body, heart, soul, and mind, especially Scott Mason, Terry Mason's brother, Alice Kennedy, Carolyn Barnhart, Marilyn Lee, and all residents in care facilities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You offer freely the fullness of salvation. Give our Savior's Lutheran Church a welcoming heart that our words and actions may extend your free and abundant hospitality to all whom we encounter. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. By your word, you call all people to yourself, and in your presence we find all that we need. Bless the work of Lutheran Campus Ministry at UW-Stout and nurture students in their faith that they may share your abundant love and grace with those around them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You gather your saints as one, united in the body of Jesus. Bring us with all your saints to the heavenly banquet. We remember with love and thanksgiving the saints we have known. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the certain hope that nothing can separate us from your love, we offer these prayers to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you now to share a sign of peace with those you are gathered with. We send our greetings of love and peace to you, and we greet those who are gathered here today. I want to take a moment to say thank you for your continued generosity, for all of the ways that you support the work of helping those in need here in our community, and for the ways you continue to support the ongoing ministry of our Savior's Lutheran Church. Your support is vital as we continue to follow in the ways and in the work of Jesus. We welcome your offering to OSL and to our shared ministry. You are invited to send your offering to our church office, or you can use our online giving option on our website at oslme.com. We sing now together our offertory, Let the Vineyards Be Fruitful.
Let us pray. God of goodness and life, all creation is yours, and your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. Water and word, wine and bread, these are signs of your abundant grace. Nourish us now through these gifts that we might proclaim your steadfast love in our community and in our world through Jesus Christ, our strength and our song. Amen. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. I invite you now to share Holy Communion with any of those you are gathered with for worship this day or receive the gift of communion yourself. We are connected together, even while physically apart, in and through this meal, in and through God's radical grace and love. The body of Christ is given for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. As you celebrate communion, we welcome Merlin Audi, who will share special music with us. He'll be playing Quietude number three by James Michael Stevens. Thank you, Merlin.
The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. God of welcome and grace, in this meal we have feasted on your goodness and have been united by your presence among us. Empower us to go forth, sustained by these gifts, so that we may share your passionate, fierce, and neighborly love with all, through Jesus Christ, the giver of abundant life. Amen. Beloved, as you enter into the rest of this Sabbath day that God has created for you, hear these words of promise and blessing. Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God the Creator, Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, bless you and keep you in eternal love. Amen. I want to share with you this morning just a couple of quick announcements. A reminder that morning prayer continues on Wednesday mornings. We meet for a short time of fellowship at 845, and then the prayer service begins at 9 a.m. We continue to meet by Zoom during this time. If you're interested in joining, just send me a quick email, and I'll send you the link to that meeting. It is that time of year again, and the Women in Action are in need of some school, school supplies for the school kits that they make. You'll find a list of all of the needed supplies in the August scope. Consider picking up a few of those items, and then on your trip out, you can stop off here at the church and drop those supplies in a bin that you'll find outside of the church. I also want to let you know that we, for now, are continuing to worship virtually. We continue to follow the good advice of our ELCA leadership and the Wisconsin Council of Churches with regards to worship practices and for determining those criteria when, for when and how it will be safe for us to gather again in person. For now, continue to join us by our radio broadcast or our OSL po podcast or on our YouTube channel. And when it is safe, we will rejoice when we can see you. And finally, I remind you that if you have a concern, a prayer concern, or any concern that you wish to discuss with one of our parish nurses or one of our pastors, please reach out to us. We are here for you. All of our contact information can be found on our website at oslme.com. We sing now together our sending hymn, Praise the One Who Breaks the Darkness, number 843. <laughs>
Go now in peace. Christ is with you. Thanks be to God.